Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly Podcast. My name is Chris, I'm your host and thank you for being patient with us this week. Uh, schedules are what schedules are and that is why we are coming to you on a Wednesday. So uh, some of this you might have to cast your mind back a couple of days but we are going to cover uh, the league on action from last weekend and a couple of bits and bobs from Europe that have already happened and some that are about to happen at time of recording. So once again, thank you for sticking with us. I have got Phil and Jez with me this evening. Uh, good evening to you both. Good evening. Hello. Hello there. You all packed, Jez? No, not yet. No. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, well, remember, what you need is a crowbar, chains and a padlock and you'll be fine. All right. So uh, no, in all seriousness, happy travels. Uh, for those who didn't tune in last week, Jez is off to Marseille tomorrow to watch Brighton. So uh, good luck to them. Right then, let's uh, let's start by going back to uh, last week then. In fact, actually, let's start by going all the way back to uh, post-pod last week. Because last Tuesday, there was a game in hand, quote-unquote, which uh, which was Rafs against uh, Lille. And I kind of joked um, at the end of last week's pod, and I said, oh, you know, we'll cover the Rams game if there's anything interesting. And I said, well, they're probably going to win 5 at Lille now. Well, not quite. They did win 2-0, though, at you, Lille. You actually asked us if we thought that they were in danger of relegation. I did, didn't I? I did. I mean, my, my job as host is to farm stuff out there and hope for the best. So that one didn't didn't stand the, the test of time. And ironically, uh, it's with rounds that we'll start in terms of actually how high up the table they are. So screw relegation. They're on the, on course for Champions League at the moment. Uh, Phil, I'll start with you on, on this one, because at, um, at the weekend... Uh, off the back of that result against Lille, they then played Lyon, which, I mean, to be fair, it is a little bit like kicking a blind man's stick away at the moment. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they performed really well and they they won 2-0. Uh, really good header for Minetzi for the first and then um, Abdul Hamid hit, hitting the second. Uh, more tales of woe for Lyon, but we'll, we'll leave them for another day. But impressive, weren't they, Rams? And that goal against Leo, I don't know if you've got a chance to catch it, the first one, where they played, I think, about 20-odd passes and cut through Leo before scoring. They, they're they in really good nick this this season, aren't they, after last year? Yeah, and uh, I think um, the, the kind of rugby-related catch-up game was a bit confusing for all of us, but um, they went uh, 2-0 up in 15 minutes, basically, they got two goals in, in like five minutes from Darami and Nakamura. Yeah. And yes, Leo got one back with about 10 minutes to go from Benjamin Andre. But I mean, that was a kind of a, a straight out of the traps, going for it, not not getting pegged back kind of, kind of vibe. And then, as you say, Leon, well... Because nobody really knows which way is up with Leon at the moment because they had Lacazette suspended. There's rumours of strife in the dressing room. Uh, Grosso was on the, on the touchline, I think. Was, was this his first game? He looks very glossy. First also official slightly game. confused. And it was, it was a bit tense in the first half. And then that Munetti goal, the open scoring for rounds, was basically the last play of the first half so yeah. you could tell oh well we're absolutely kicking themselves about but it really showed that Rouse just kept going all the way right to the end and then in the second half you said after Hamid got the second and really Leon didn't look like they had anything in them no. um, at, at, at this the point so again but 
I mean, it's very concerning for them. But as you say, Vance are now third in the table, having picked up two wins on spin and looking looking the kind of cheerful, sparkling selves that uh, we have seen in periods in the past. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep that going. Mm. I well, would guess probably not, but it's a, a good place to be starting. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, insert Will Still slash football manager talk here. Um, I am joking, of course, because we're, we're well over that. But, uh, yeah, he, he is um, starting to become linked with with other big clubs in Europe once again that are struggling. So do wonder how long he will stay at Rouse. But their next fixture, Jez, is, uh, is an interesting one because they face Monaco. Uh, who went top of the table over the weekend. Uh, that's a Saturday night game, by the way, for those who are keen on that particular fixture. Monaco uh, won 3-2 in what was a bit of a thriller over Marseille uh, on Saturday evening, for memory. And it was Gennaro Gattuso's first game as Marseille coach, or sort of in the dugout, quote-unquote. Uh, if you had the sound up, you couldn't miss him because, my God, does that guy talk or shout uh, throughout the game. Hell of a game, though. I don't know if you got a chance to see it live. I think you managed to catch up in in delay, so to speak. But if I'd have told you that Samuel Gigo would score a volley and ultimately his team wouldn't win anything from it, you'd probably think I was mad. But a couple of them fantastic goals. And once again, Monaco proving that they've got the stability potentially to keep this up because they look pretty impressive in this game despite being behind twice um yeah i mean in terms of sort of character and bounce back ability particularly sort of going down going behind after 31 seconds as well yeah. um i think that that was impressive i think they were helped out by an extremely poor marseille defense um yeah. the goalkeeping on both sides i thought was pretty awful um uh, i mean that that first minute goal it looked like and di did everything he could to not to miss it <laughs> yeah and, i saw that um and Paolo lopez let in two goals at his near post okay they were both decent finishes but still so uh, i'm still not absolutely convinced i think they're playing fun football um and to be fair to them they had a few important players out like um enrique minamoto minamino sorry um uh golovin for example so yeah. credit to them for, for having a bit of depth and obviously akliush is the, the latest who, who looks really impressive um mm. i guess he's kind of taken that ben Segui role from from last year but um yeah i think that they, they did really well to come back twice and then i think once they took the leads looked relatively comfortable mm. um and I suppose, you know, if I said previously they haven't really been tested, Marseille, you know, in theory, are one of the bigger clubs So, and have had good results against them the last couple of years. So, you know, that test passed. Yeah. But I still don't, I still think there's a little bit of a sort of, uh, I don't know, soft underbelly or whatever. And I'm, I'm not absolutely convinced about them yet. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Start, They've I mean, done obviously. everything you sort of ask of them so far. Um, yeah, you know, couple we criticise it in a couple of matches. They sort of given away late goals to to um, sort of lose either three points or a draw that they should have had. Um, mm. This time, they, as I said, sort of relatively comfortable held on to that lead. So um, you know, can't fault them for that. 
Yeah, I think um, I Balogun actually scored this time. That would be the one thing where you could point the finger at Monaco was again in that Nice match, which uh, didn't end well for him. But yeah. this was another example of the Stade Louis II being not that big and there not being that many local home fans. I mean, again, this was a situation where it almost felt like a home game for Marseille because they got that whole curve was all yeah. the Marseille fans. And Gigo in his uh, post-match interview made a very big point of thanking the fans and saying we, we're all pulling in the same direction, which given what's happened over the past couple of weeks, you think that was very diplomatic from him. <laughs> but as just said, I mean, it was... Uh, the score was set at 52 minutes, and after that, it there wasn't really much. I thought the finishes on the first two goals um, were both really lovely, but not a thunder bastard. It's more, you know, a slot. Finesse, more lovely, yeah. weighted along the ground. But it was interesting, but um, Gattuso, as you mentioned, was yelling throughout, and obviously um, I got the pre- and post-match interviews from him, mm. grizzled and slightly scary. Now, he clearly does speak French because they weren't translating the questions for mm. him, although he did at one point ask Paganelli to repeat the question because he didn't understand it, but I think we were all with him on that one. Um, but he responded in Italian. And after the game... I think it's probably easier when it's your first match, so you're not trying to cover your ass when something goes wrong. But he was saying, yeah, we didn't defend well. We need to work on that. We didn't attack well. We need to work on that. The midfield wasn't good. We need to work on that. I imagine the Marseille players are having a very difficult week right mm. now uh, because he seemed cross and um, also was like, Everything needs to be fixed. Mm. And I think we all agree with him. Um, and he was probably only saying that because he could do at this stage. Um, but, yeah, you do get the feeling he meant it. Mm. So I think they may have been yelled at quite a lot this week in training. Yeah. Yeah. Just just, uh, just quickly. Um, well, I'll, I'll ask you on this one, Jess. Why not? Uh, with Gattuso. I know we we kind of did all go, oh, what could possibly go wrong, given his track record and fiery character. In a sort of weird way, I had time to digest it last week. And whilst it has only been, uh, that was, I think it's the first league game he's ever seen. Was it, do you, do you think that actually in a weird way, this might work out quite well in terms of the personality fits and the size of club and everything that goes with it? Could he be the next Igor Tudor, for example, in that respect? Um, I, it, I think Gattuso sort of as a player, as a person, and now as a coach seems to very much divide opinion. And um, I think there probably is an element of laziness of sort of, he was a kind of very rugged, uh, what you see is what you get sort of player. And so people kind of transpose that onto his coaching um, when actually I think there's a little bit more to it than, than, just sort of blood and thunder and uh yeah. you know he does sort of prone like possession football rather than you know you might sort of lazily 
expecting to be more kind of kick it into rose head sort of thing. Um, but even as a coach, I think he's already had a, you know, quite a itinerant career. And although he's, I think he's got a, an Italian cup to show for it. I'm not sure there's been that much more. You could say sort of coaching in Italy and, and, um, Spain and sort of, you know, being coach of Napoli at any time and Milan during a real down period, everything's always volatile there. So maybe, you know, he's been slightly unfortunate in that. But I think you have to also say there is an element of, um, you know, short-termism and mm. whether that's because he looks to move on or because of the he's not as successful as he should be as a coach or I kind of, I am being lazy now and I am going for blood and thunder, but to me, he's sort, he seems like a sort of Stuart Pierce type who um, can get good results in the short term by basically putting the fear of God into everyone and, and, you know, really rousing them um, with kind of, uh, I'm saying this because I just saw it on Twitter and still can't believe it, but Penny Morden style um, speeches that just confuse everyone into submission um, yeah. But after a while, once everything calms down, then you need something more to show for it. And I don't know if he's got that in his yeah. locker. So I think I've said before last week, as a Brighton fan, I'm worried about that because this is still very much the blood and thunder period. Mm. Um, but longer term, I just, yeah, I, you know, we kind of said that about Balotelli, you know, Marseille's the perfect fit because he's mad and they're mad and it will all go great. And, you know, even Tudor to an extent, I just feel like everything's so intense around the city, around the club, around Gattuso. I just, I'm not sure that it will work. You know, I think he can stand up to people that maybe other people haven't been able to, whether it's in the stands or in the boardroom or, or anywhere else. But um, I think the bottom line is that he needs to, show on the pitch and I just I don't know what what anyone at Marseille sort of expects you look at their record in recent years they're generally always sort of top two top three mm. and I think that's as much as they can expect um they're not sort of you know they're not on the bread line they're still able to bring in good players whether they choose to or not whether some of their transfer um, moves are sensible or well thought out or not is is open to debate but it's not like they're sort of you know looking for scraps they're bringing in names mm. um, they I just don't think they can compete with PSG and so second and third place I think is as much as at the moment they can hope for you know there's now rumors about a possible Saudi takeover um, I'm sure if that happens, we'll, we'll debate that a lot more in, in future episodes. But I just, it feels like they're often not doing themselves any favors by kind of expecting to be or achieve more than is reasonable to expect. Yeah. And so yeah. maybe Gattuso not being an absolutely stellar name helps to keep the feet on the ground a little bit. But I just, I, I do feel like it's it's jury's you know, out. I just think everything about the club and everything about him, you know, the you know, the famous meme of what is it, sometimes good, sometimes, sometimes good, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I feel like at some point, you know, 
as I said, like in, in previous cases as well, they'll dovetail at first and then at some point it will all cr- crash and burn. You can say the same with Bielsa, San Paoli, like I said, Valatelli, Tudor to an extent. Yeah. Um, I get why they're attracted to each other. And I think we said before, you know, Marseille are sort of like, you know, city-wise, club-wise, they are kind of like the French Napoli. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it did work out there to an extent. And he won a cup, I think, during COVID for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they weren't going to win the league with him. They came close with Sarri. They came close with, uh, they won it obviously last year. Yeah. With, um, Spalletti. They weren't going to win it with him. And I'm not sure, you know, he might be able to settle the ship very short term, but I'm not sure they're going to achieve any more or take any step forward um, yeah. with him. Know your levels, must I, basically. Um, but yeah, I, I, I take your point. And, and again, you know, very early days, like let's let's see where we are at Christmas and see how many fires have been put out or indeed have been further ignited, I guess, is the question <laughs> on that one. Um, Phil, I wanted to um, chat a little bit about some of the teams that are struggling. Um, and I, originally I was going to say 15th downwards, but I'm just going to kind of pull a few teams out really of this group. And you saw PSG and Clermont on the weekend, nil-nil, but that didn't tell the whole story. I think it's 10 oh. saves from Diop in goal. For yes. Clermont. Uh, um, Manda Dio uh, is yeah. Manda Diao is the new um, uh, is the new um, joke, and unfortunately, uh, somebody on uh, Canal Football Show pointed out that the hand of God wasn't actually about goalkeeping in the first place. But yes, it was a really, really solid, organised performance from Claremont which I think we haven't seen so far because they've only got two points after seven games. Um, it's not to say there weren't some heavy moments. Uh, there was one amazing goal line clearance where um, Joward actually saved, but it had gone back out not too far. And then one of his defenders tried to hoik it clear, looked to be hoiking it into his own net, but hoiked it off the arse of a colleague who was standing on the line. So that didn't go in. Um, but also some uh, goal line clearances and chaos from PSG as well. Now, Kylian Mbappe was back. Um, he had a bit of an ankle knack last week. But he was back and fast as ever. He was r- ripping um, the, uh, the left-back pieces at that point. But again, this was a who's in midfield situation. No mm. Garte, no party, as it were. Mm. Also, no Zaya Emery, but he doesn't rhyme with anything. And <laughs> you did kind of wonder if they were keeping the powder dry a bit for the Champions League game, which is at Newcastle tonight. Felt that way, yeah. Yeah, yeah but mostly, Luis Enrique spent most of the post-match interview bitching about the pitch, which <laughs> had been relayed 48 hours before the game looked fine it wasn't tearing up or anything so I didn't quite know what he was on about there but obviously that was a saving everyone's blushes kind of moment but yeah that was an absolutely epic goalkeeping performance only got nine out of ten I believe from the keep yeah which is kind of but, nuts uh, oh, I suppose ten is a bit well <laughs> I, I think um Alban Lafont got it when Nantes beat PSC 2-0 oh, yeah. last year yeah, that's last good but, performance. I think yeah. it was. Well, yeah. 
he has got broken ribs and a punctured lung, so we haven't seen him for a while. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was great. And Joy is um, clearly a very level-headed, kind of gracious guy who kept saying, you know, I thank my defenders and everything after the game, which, to be fair, they did a fabulous job most of the time. But like I say, there were some hairy moments where he had to protect them from themselves as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it was not the result I think any of us were expecting, given no. that they only had one point going into this game after drawing with Toulouse yeah. um, earlier on. But they have. I think they've given themselves a bit of hope and, um, you know, encouragement to hopefully build on that and, and work their way up the table because... Yeah. They did play really well. PS and PSG, even PSG not playing that well, are mm. still PSG. So yeah. it was it was an uh, it was a very interesting one. But um, I think uh, yeah, Enrique's focusing on the pitch, as it were, was definitely suggested that he hadn't thought this game was going to be a problem. He was looking forward to Wednesday and that didn't work out well. Yeah, distraction tactics. Um, yeah, agreed. We've So Clermont currently down in 17th on two points. We, we've done Leon to death, so I'm going to leave them alone for a week because I think, I think we're all kind of agreed that, yeah, it needs to change soon, but I think we feel that they'll probably pull themselves out. Um, a couple of other teams that oh, are down we, there. Though. We we said that a couple of seasons ago, and look where Saint-Étienne and well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I I just can't. Yeah, I just can't see it. But I know what you're saying. Um, I feel like they'll get enough together at some point once they're once they're back in terms of players and and everything is on on point. But um, yeah, not a good weekend for Leon. Obviously, that two 0 defeat. A couple of other clubs that are down there though, Jez. Um, unfortunately, I have to. I have to put Mets in here briefly, but the two I wanted to really look at was Lorient who lost 3-0 to Phils Montpellier, less said the better. Um, and there was the derby on Sunday night. Well, some people say it's not a derby. I think it is. But Ren beat Nantes by two goals to one, a game that featured Brilliant. a mascot being... Uh, three goals to one, sorry. A game that featured a mascot being stretched off um, and an absolutely brain-dead sending off, um, which maybe you can fill the listeners in on as well. Um, they've had a pretty decent start to the season, not, but the all-too-familiar failings have appeared in this game. And, and as I say, if you want to rope Lorient into this as well, some really bad defending at the Moustoir and that 3-0 defeat to Montpellier. What did you make of, in particular, the derby? What did you make of that game? I think if you, if you look at um, sort of total number of goals involved with teams, like adding goals for and against, Monaco are a little bit ahead. And the next two are Nantes and, and Lorient. Nantes matches have involved 26 goals and, and Lorient 25. And I think Lorient, you sort of expect some entertainment one way or the other, non We've come to expect that a bit less in recent years, but it sounds like sort of watching their matches are going to be good fun. Um, as long as you're sort of not necessarily rooting for them, they're both obviously with minus goal differences at the moment. And it feels like both teams are 
have got some capabilities going forward. It's just that they need to to shore up their defence. And I had the dig at Lafont earlier. I mean, if he's playing with broken ribs or whatever, tough luck. I mean, if he if he's past fit to play, then he shouldn't be letting soft goals in at his near post. I think. Mm. Um, I feel like Non shot themselves in the foot the other day. I think obviously Ren made most of the play, but um, you know, three one, two of them were penalties, and and. I think one or two of them came after that. I can't remember exactly, but possibly after the sending off. Um, you know, they were they were competing well for a lot of the match, and and um, it's frustrating that it was sort of they went down to two late goals. Um, the mascot stuff. You know, I just think it's Ren being a little bit distasteful, but somehow getting away with it as usual. Um, but aren't aren't they also being investigated for homophobic chants in the stadium? That came out yesterday, was it? Yeah, I did hear something and about that. And also, yeah. apparently, a supporter was sexually assaulted in Brown. I didn't hear that. That's news. So yeah, that's 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 not not ideal then either. Um, and and on that pitch, I don't know if I, I watched this guy game live. I don't know if either of you saw this. There was a moment where I believe it was Rudy Bouquet was in charge of this game. And there was a free kick to Ren in the second half, and I'm not even kidding. It took legit about four minutes for them to take this free kick because he had to continuously call people out of the wall, send them back out of the wall, send them back, move it backwards, spray again. It, honestly, it, it was like you just needed the Benny Hill theme <laughs> underneath it, to be fair. It was hilarious. But what did you make of that sending off, Jez? I mean, that is... I know it's passionate. I know it's the heat of a derby. I think there was something like six cards each or seven, what, seven five, something in that, that direction. Um, but the sending off... Uh, not just not just the fact it's a sending off for a descent in two in two moments of madness. Um, I genuinely thought Mustafa Mohammed in question was actually going to lamp Bouquet at one point because he he was very aggressive and, and instantly got the yellow into the red. But he's key for their goals, isn't he? He's he's been the man who's got a lot of their goals this season. He's now going to miss, I imagine, three games. A moment of madness or just the heat of battle? I mean, I don't know where you stand on on derbies like this, but it did seem a bit nuts. It was stupid. I mean, you can you can argue that maybe the first booking was harsh. I don't know, but yeah. um, you're asking for trouble if you react like that. Um, you know, as you said, sort of late on, just gone behind to in a in a big derby. You can understand that nerves are frayed, but. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying all that. There's no place for this in the game or anything like that. It's good fun to watch, but um, if you if you're going to react like that to to officious officials, then you're you're asking for trouble. And and I think it's it's a shame for Nantes because, as I said, it's kind of it put paid to their chances of coming back and also long slightly longer term. I I yeah, he's looked really good. I think he was sort of linked with Everton in the summer and and God help him. <laughs> Well, I, th- I think on, on I don't know, I was asked somewhere from what I thought of him. I thought, yeah, very good, but only, you know, we haven't seen too much of him yet. He looks like he's got a lot of fight in him, which obviously we saw in a different way um, with, the, with the sending off. But I th- I sort of thought we need to see a little bit more of him in, in one of the, the bigger leagues. And I think the way he started this season, although he's mm-hmm. another who I think his sort of penalty count helps um, in terms of the number of goals he's scoring, he's, he, I think he's doing really well, and it's it's a shame for him, but also for Nantes if he's going to miss, you know, it's second booking, so possibly 
uh, he'll only miss one match. But if it's a longer, yeah, I I heard somewhere it might be classed as as aggressive conduct. I think which which carries a three game ban. But I don't know if that is upheld or not because the official stats suggest it is a second yellow, which obviously is is a one game ban. But I just wonder about unprofessional conduct um, and well, whether that will come out or not. You you mentioned the. Um free kick that took a lifetime. Um, when Mohammed got his first booking, in the same incident were also booked Shiravella and Douglas Augusto from Nantes and Nemanja Matic from Ven, um, which <laughs> suggests, particularly on the Nantes side, that uh, discipline wasn't high up the list. They lost but, their heads massively, yeah, at yeah, one point I in the game. It is, is a yeah. very, very big problem. Yeah. If you're not going to be, um, shall we say, pushing for titles or whatever, then you, you really don't want to be giving dumb moves away like that. So yeah. it did seem that they lost it quite badly. And obviously that is not a good um, a good look. I mean, it looks like... While it was a second yellow, there's the possibility they could go back because he did seem to vigorous is the word that Lincoln mm. was using for it. So you don't he was know very, whether, whether it, it that's was, going to come back and bite him. It was very Man United around the referee back in the nineties era. It was it was very like I, I honestly thought he was going to lamp him. I think if it had been any other referee, he might have done. And it was all over a corner. And that, that was the silly part. And he, yeah, the first booking was silly. It was for dissent. Um, he clearly thought the ball came off. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It might have been True Fair. He was tracking back. Um, and he went shoulder to shoulder with him, thought he'd run a corner. But the referee deemed it as a foul because he sort of shouldered him off the ball. Um, but yeah, I think it was he at the moment, but he definitely lost it in, in that, that moment in time. Just really quickly, I'm so unconscious of time here, but um, maybe maybe you might both have, a, have an opinion on this. A lot of people have asked me in wake of what happened in the Premier League last weekend about French referees and about what refereeing is like in other leagues. And obviously people have asked me what I think of officials in France. Do you think we have a decent standard in, in Liga? I mean, I... I know some people aren't a fan of, of Turpin, and I know he gave a slightly suspicious handball last night, in fact, in, in the Champions League game. Um, but I, I do find generally VAR in particular seems to work quite well in France. There's, there's very few decisions where you go, really? Obviously, there's a few, but there hasn't been any major controversies that I can think of. Do either of you have an opinion on, on that in likes of what we've seen in the quote-unquote best league in the world this last weekend? I think it's... It's decent. Um, there's still when uh, when they do the kind of match of the day rounds up, um, there's a lot of chuckling from commentators and former players. Uh, they all say, "On Angleterre, that wouldn't be a foul in England. You wouldn't whistle it in the Premiership." So I think there's an understanding that maybe they're a bit stricter. Mm. But because they're all a bit stricter, it kind of works out. Like you say, Turpin, I just think it's, unfortunately, Turpin, it's how he looks. He always yeah. looks, I may have said this before, like a teacher who's lost control of a field trip. He just has a kind of deer and headlights look to him. Bit of an arrogant Whereas, look, yeah. 
yeah, ruddy bouquet you're not you're not messing with so much. No. Um but no, I think they're they're pretty good the post match kind of roundup shows that I watch there's very little varishness going mm. on in that sometimes to say was was that a bit harsh? Yeah, well you can see how it gets. But yeah, I think most people last night with the um whatever Turpan gave for somebody trying not to get hit in the knackers and that's a handball. Yeah. Was uh, a I lot of um, I think it was. Actually Samir Nasri was was the guy on the touchline looking at that going, Yeah, that was stupid. Mm. Um yeah, sometimes the man is right. Uh, so yeah, but I think in the league it's there's not a lot of arguing about it in the same way there is on, say, football Twitter for the Premiership. Yeah, yeah, certainly not argument in the commentary box. And just quickly on on your side of things, Jess, obviously because you watch football at home and abroad, um, you probably would have seen quite a lot of what happened in England at the weekend. Have you ever seen anything like that in in France or any other leagues that you can think of? I mean, I know Brighton were. Would were given what three apologies last season? I think it was in total. So that must have have uh, raised your eyebrows a bit at the weekend. Yeah, funnily enough, against including against Spurs. Yeah. Funnily enough, the FA Cup match that we did beat Liverpool in, they should have ended the match with definitely nine, arguably eight players. And I don't remember Klopp kind of offering his apologies or anything then. No. Um, yeah. I, I tend to. I just. I think referees have a pretty tough job. Often they don't do themselves any favours. There does seem a hell of a lot of sort of self-regard. Mm. And that's the case in all countries. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I've never noticed it's any worse in France than in England. Um, I think as usual, all French coverage of the Premier League is just ridiculously rose-tinted twinted, and fawning. And mm. yeah, the sort of sensitive I think that's kind of I think that's more like a Europe-wide view of English football which actually probably is very outdated now that English football lets more go than than abroad yeah especially with the number of foreigners and divers in England I think it's as bad as ever and yeah I think the VAR it seems to be working in other countries more I think I might be wrong but isn't isn't it only recently that now in the in England, the referee is able to go to the screen, whereas beforehand it was just them being told what was what. I think it's last season that came in, yeah. Yeah. So fairly recently, yeah. I mean, the, what happened on at the weekend with that match is just an absolutely insane aberration. And <laughs> the bigger issue is why can't, someone couldn't just override it and say, okay, fine, we've kicked Stop off. The game. Yeah. Absolutely nothing has happened. Mm. Let's just, yeah. Um if a player goes down with a head injury, this is my argument, they stop the game instantly, right? Unless you're at Leighton Orient, if you haven't read that story, uh, avoid it because it's ridiculous. But um, yeah, but surely that's that's the case, isn't it? Was there, just out of interest, I don't know if either of you, you might be better one to ask on this one, Phil, was it covered over overseas? I mean, did you hear about it over there or was it, is um, it just really an English? I didn't really watch the, the Premiership this weekend so i'm i'm sure they will have argued about it but it didn't kind of hit the um wasn't mainstream the, the, the later on stuff mm-hmm. um but i also didn't watch um 
Canal Football Club, which is the one that rounds up all of the European matches. I imagine there was some some discussion there. Yeah. But it all depends. We've got very much that there is the Soir de Liga, which is kind of like match of the day. There is also yeah. match of Z Day, um, amusingly. But then there's Canal Football Club, which is kind of the roundup of Europe. Yeah. And then they have the Champions, etc. So it all depends which one you watch as to which one, which matches you hear about. Yeah. Yes, it's definitely. For what it's worth, it's interesting that I think there's the number of red cards this year in France has plummeted. Yeah, I'm that's sure true. Necessarily, what that relates to, yeah. whether there's been a directive to be less strict or to let stuff flow a bit more. But yeah, definitely has been a reduction because I remember it making like you know news across Europe about how many red cards there were in Ligue 1 last season before. So yeah, and I think Ligue 1 is the only league that shows the people in the VAR room on camera before the game. I don't know. I don't know if that has any relevance, but uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're all there. in. I might have like the cameraman. I, I saw them do that in Serie A at the weekends. So. Oh, okay. So maybe it isn't. Then I, I, I very, very, I only really follow Inter in Serie A. So yeah, I haven't seen it. But yeah, I always like that because I always imagine like schoolboys, they sort of like put the mini cheddars away when the camera's in there and then bring them back out. Yeah, delivery. I think it's more John Terry the that they're actually in their kit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it. Chin pads and all, maybe like full the full garb, just in case. Uh, anyway, um, just for we're going to get into European action because I know um, Phil has a bit to say on last night, and we've got a game too. Can we not talk about Lorient more specifically no. losing no. to Montpellier? No, we can't. No, it was three oh, nil, and that's all we need to say. So, uh, oh, come on. No, look, I loved Montpellier's kit, by the way. Yeah, that's that is a banger. The mint was one, it yeah. the pink one? No, it's the mint third strip. It's a oh, generic yeah. team wear, but it's quite a nice shade of minty green. Yeah, they did. The but also because it's October, which is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, they will be turning up in bright pink at some point. Oh, yes. Don't worry about that, chaps. Yep. Uh, but I was just thinking of this that uh, Montpellier have been very up and down and inconsistent as ever. But that front four, Kasri, Adams, Tamari, and Teshi Savanier in the hole behind them, that's a lovely front four. And just a new one. This, this time, uh, the defence appeared to actually sort themselves out as well, because it was even on shots, 14-14, but Ompelia um, got more on target. Tamari with an assist, Aker Adams with two goals, especially with the penalty, it's just, it's one of those things where I'm going, oh, if only this lasts. <laughs> but looking at the form, it probably won't. So I'm just going to enjoy this one. And you should. And to be fair, I mean, you had the right opposition for a nice, comfortable three-win because Lorient were, were appalling. I've got to be honest, I'm really concerned. This year might be the year we uh, we drop down, but, you know, hopefully not. Um, I'm sure Jez shares my my uh, concerns. It was not a good weekend for you, Jez, in terms of your two teams, but a 3-0 win for Toulouse over Mets as well, which does just sort of give Toulouse a little bit of breathing space after a, a, tr- a tricky period. Um, the battle at the top ended 0-0, Nice and Brest. Uh, pretty pretty hard-fought game that ultimately couldn't be separated. Um, nice, and... the only unbeaten team left. 
yeah, which is kind of nuts in itself. And that stat from uh, David Wall continues. Uh, Leon are now officially the only team in the top five leagues not to lead a game all season because Empley and Luton have both done so now. So that one rolls on. Um, we mentioned their tuna loss to Rouse and Love. Uh, unfortunately, after their good run of, of recent times, they lost 2 0 to Lille um, at Inter Grove. Away kit. You are the fashionistas here. I like guys. it. I, like I, I don't get it. It's like Jackson Pollock, but not good enough. I mean, mm. It's very unique. Heckled. I mean, yeah. what's that about? I don't. I think it's very much a design choice rather than a meaning behind it. But um, I did quite like it. I must admit. Uh, but um, yeah, whatever whatever they did, it, it it turned out for a good result after their home defeat to uh, to Rouse. So that lifted the pressure a little bit for them. And uh, yeah, that was the uh, the weekend's results. Um, apart from, apart from, I am missing one, aren't I? Sorry. Uh, yeah. Let Which takes back. us neatly into the Champions League because yes. Strasbourg lost at so home. on Friday, yeah. Loss. Yes, 1-0. And Eli Wahi, who was, funnily enough, the inspiration behind the win last night. Um, so you saw this film. Um, I, I was. It was very hard for me last night on social media because I was very smug and also quite annoyed. Um, actually, I wasn't really that annoyed, to be perfectly honest, because Arsenal were terrible and, and Lons were very good. Um, and I quite enjoyed people clutching their pearls about, oh, it was only Lons. They were really good last night, I thought. And they, although they Arsenal missed were. chances, they, they deserved it. And I think um, because Lons had such a shaky start to the season, we were all a bit concerned. But I think we discussed a couple of weeks ago that we felt this was a slow start that could be recovered rather than kind of an endemic problem. And so when on Friday night, well, he got his first goal for his new club. And after they'd had um, a good draw away in Sevilla in the first Champions League game, and then now two wins on the spin in Ligue 1, it looked a lot better going into this game. And I mean, Frank is, is a wonderful interview interviewee. It has to be said after the match, he was saying, yeah, we, we started well the first 13 minutes were really good and then something went wrong. Um, they did start strong, but then Gabriel Jesus um, scored on 14 minutes. There was some really bad defending to let him get into that situation, let's put it that way. But after that, it was like the defence went, no, right, fine, we've got to pull ourselves together. So shortly after that, you got this wonderful goal from Thomason, which was set up by this is where you want to say assist plus, as it yeah. were. That wasn't an assist from Wiley. That was an assist plus to control the ball kind of spinning around in midair and they just kind of cheekily knock it out on the outside of his boot for Thomason to curl one in far, at the far post. So they went in 1-1 one, one at half-time. And then the second half, Wahi gets... Um, the winning goal set up by a great cross in, I think, from Frankowski. While he was a bit behind the defensive line in terms of they were further up the field than him, it, he was unmarked. I mean, you've got to be a bit concerned about how he ended up there with nobody near him well, to, you, to put the you, second, second goal in. But Just on that really quickly, I don't think the blame lies at Saliba and Gabriel on that. I think it's brilliant movement. 
because he if you watch the replay from behind the goal, he Slow deliberately stops down. his run. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really, really good piece of centre forward play in the finish. Somebody should have been watching oh, yeah. that and possibly yeah, not paired enough out to the other people. Yeah. Um, so I think uh Bree Samba in the last goal and the defence wasn't pretty, but it was effective. Again, a lot of hairy moments, including the bit where um Danzo nearly um uh kind of flattened someone when there was a big scuffle and Samba's still lying on the ground clutching <laughs> the ball while everyone's having a fight around him. But really the best player I think was probably uh, Fabian Sotoka, mm. who was awesome throughout. I think well he got the man of the match award. Um uh, but Sotoka was was great. He was everywhere he was making everything happen and it was really impressive the way that uh, Lance dealt with this, having kind of 33% possession, fewer shots, fewer shots on target, but just doing what they needed to really effectively. And you saw that there was in the run-up to Wahi's goal, there was a good kind of minute or so where they were just, no, not just, where they were passing it around between themselves in these, again, Nasri was on this. He says it, they're putting it in a square, but it's not just backwards and forwards like across the back line. They're looking for when they can make that break forward. And the break forward, Sotogo got it first out to Frankowski. Frankowski bangs up the wing, puts the cross in, and while well, he's there to finish it, it was like, they knew exactly what they were doing and what their TV team was saying was they'd seen them practising that in the pre-match warm-up. Mm. And I think that's where you say Frankes is a great coach, that he watches everything and prepares everything brilliantly. And when uh, the work was the post-match interview, and I think it was Bruce Samba was the one being interviewed and he was... The, he was asked, you know, how well prepared did you feel? And he went, oh, we're well prepared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the co- we're well prepared. And it just felt like Frank Ayres played that game brilliantly mm. or rather set his team up to know what to do to play that team, that game brilliantly. And I just knew it was going to happen because I was meaning to put money on them and I forgot. So then I knew what was going to happen and it did. And I really couldn't be happier. Sorry, Chris. No, no, no. I think it's wonderful that Lance fans this morning are all screenshotting the current table, which shows them top of the group. Yeah, stop it now. (laughs) That is is good stuff. So well done to them. And yeah, it's going to be interesting going forwards. Now they've got a bit of a bit of a buffer, yeah, under under them. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, Jazz, I know, I know you're a little bit pushed for time, so if you need to dip in a minute, feel free to let me know. But just your thoughts on on the game, because I mean, it, it was that there was a lot of pearl clutching from you know not just Arsenal fans, in fairness, and and of those Arsenal fans that were giving it the big and about how we should be slapping them up and their farmers and all the all the usual talk. There was quite a few even in general English media that were, um, you know, sort of talking this up as a fairly comfortable win for Arsenal expected, etc. 
And it just proves that Lens, you know, with that atmosphere, support, I think, you know, the the the, the noise that the ground created and just the, the flow of the game and to come from behind as well, they, mm. they really laid down a marker in this game, didn't they? And, and proved that they're not just here to to release a nice gold shirt and disappear. They're, they're going to try and get through this group. Yeah, I mean, I, I always thought that Arsenal are the clear favourites for the group, but the other three teams are relatively evenly matched and that um, Lens had a really good chance of qualifying, arguably helped by the fact that I think, not that people are underestimating them, but they don't have the sort of European pedigree of the other two teams. And so they don't really have that. It's the first time they've been in Champions League for 20-odd years. So they don't really have that much to lose. So the, the other two, Sevilla, less so in the Champions League, but obviously a huge recent European pedigree, PSV, um, you know, regularly in the competition. Um, there's a little bit more pressure on them to perform, I think. Um, last you know, you can imagine that probably a lot of English pundits just looked at the league table and, yeah. you know, from mm. that, for an easy win. Um, I, th- You know, we know that last year they were arguably the best team in France um, and they're always going to be slight, growing, not growing pains, but, um, you know, a little bit of a shaky start this year, having lost their sort of talismanic midfielder and their main goal scorer. Mm. Um but they were always going to come good. And I think their their style of play probably is a very good matchup to Arsenal as well. I think, you know, Arteta really likes the sort of slow build-up and and I think the kind of controlled frenzy of Lance is the kind of thing that um, kind of puts it up him, if you like, with <laughs> Arsenal. So I think, yeah, kind of a good matchup. Allied to, yeah, I think it probably is fair to say a little bit of kind of English club arrogance that they thought maybe, especially after the PSV match, which was a cakewalk, that all they needed to do was turn up. But I think, you know, they shouldn't have been surprised by by the way the crowd was. Mm. Um, but, you know, maybe it spooked them a bit. I think, you know, there's a, by all accounts, there's a couple of Arsenal players that are probably should be due arrest and are being <laughs> played through the pain or through niggles. But, you know, as I said about Lafont earlier, tough luck. If, you know, if they're not fully fit, don't play them. If you think they are, then you expect mm. them to perform. It's not an excuse. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, look, it was, you know, at the end, it was kind of not the Alamo, but it was all, you know, it was basically Arsenal attack versus Lance defence. But at the uh-huh. same time, very few clear-cut chances were created. By yeah. Arsenal, I would say two big um, ones. That was about it, I think. Yeah. And so yeah, I think it was, and you know, arguably the Arsenal goal was to an extent handed to them by yeah. by as well. So um, a really good performance, and it, we knew that it would take Lance playing extremely well and Arsenal being un, l- less than their best because they are simply a better team. But it's not su- as big a shock as some people are making out. I don't think. Mm. No, no, I, I I completely agree. And like I say, it's uh, we did a preview pod on our Arsenal show about it, and I I was saying to everybody who would listen, this is not going to be easy. And I I did think Arsenal would have enough to win. If I'm honest, I thought it would be a close, you know, one nil, two one type of situation. But when it came to it, I wasn't surprised that that Lons got the victory. And I still think Arsenal will probably come through the group as as top because I don't think the other two teams are up to too much. If I'm honest, but it would be lovely to see Lons progress. Um, you know, 
in second place, ideally, but uh, it'd be lovely to see them progress as well. So, yeah, well done to Lons. And yes, that new shirt is rather lovely. Um, just before we go, and if you've got time, Jez, as well, just wanted to have a quick look ahead at the game this evening, which is PSG in Newcastle. I've just seen the PSG Ultras being led down the streets of Newcastle uh, by a police escort. I'm sure that will uh, <laughs> be amusing to the locals. Um, just we, a quick we don't have police horses in France. As far no, as I it's all... It's all new over here, over over here for them, I would imagine. But yeah, just just a quick take from you both on on this game. Do you both foresee a PSG uh, victory here, or or do you think this one might be a bit tougher than they maybe expect? Not necessarily. Mm. I think um, I'm I'm presuming that Agate and Zayemri will get back into midfield, but yeah. We've seen time and time again that defence is still not great. If you could have Marquinhos playing in every position, which I think he has done so far this season, fine. But there is definitely space there for Newcastle to work with. And my one concern would be whoever is playing at left-back, they might want to give him back up because Mbappe will be going in there as hard as he can. Mm. So I think it, it, it's, I'm hoping it's a very good game, but I don't think that Newcastle have anything to be afraid of here. Mm. And I know this is going to be their first home game back in the Champions League for however long. So it's going to be an absolute cauldron and... You know, that could just make the difference, but they're going to have to take their chances. And yeah. I'm not sure they have been doing necessarily consistently. No. From what I hear. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, PSG are definitely get a, get atable um, if, if you do your job right. So, yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And, uh, and Jez, do you think along the same lines as well in that regard? In terms of it'll be a tough, a tough ask, but PSG could put themselves in a very strong point if they were to, to win this game tonight. I, I don't think PSG are assuming it's going to be an easy match at all. I mean, again, first of all, the whole uh sick of fancy tours, anything to do with the Premier League. And secondly, uh, you know, similarly to Lance yesterday, I think, you know, Newcastle back after a long time in the Champions League with a, a you know very, very passionate fan base. I think PSG will be expecting it, but still could be a little bit spooked by the sort of strength of support of, of, of Newcastle. Um, I Yeah, I think, I really think it could go either way. I think, um, again, PSG on paper should be the better team, but Newcastle at home, I mean, it depends, I think, if, if Eddie Howe decides to sort of Part of the bus or, or really go for Waste it. Time. Um, but I think that um I mean similar-ish to what we said before, although I think PSG are very much more of a team than they have been in the past. I think it is still a work in progress, but they do still have match winners in their team. Um obviously not least Mbappe. So um they're definitely capable of winning it, but I don't think it's a formality. And I think, again, similarly to Arsenal, I don't think they should read too much into a very straightforward 
win against a pretty average Dortmund team at the moment. Um, yeah. It would be silly to kind of read too much into how comfortable that win was because um, I think Newcastle were a built a sort of stronger stuff than that. Yeah, um, yeah, Dortmund have been really so, poor. I mean, for PSG, considering it's a group, it's a group match early on, I think leaving with a draw would be fine. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to chuck it out there and say PSG win comfortably. And uh, to quote a famous former Newcastle manager, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Anyway. Um, two such likeable teams. It's, it's really I know. <laughs> what is it? The oily. If, if only they could both win. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I never know how I feel about PSG in Europe because with my French hat on, I want them to go far and with my other hat on, I sort of don't. <laughs> but anyway, we shall see. Uh, there are other clubs involved in Europe as well, but we are pushed for time. So we will round up the results from Europa Leagues and conference games on next week's show. And uh, just before we do disappear, there is one more round of games this weekend of Ligue 1 before we go into yet another international break. Uh, those are Strasbourg against Nantes, which is on Friday. Uh, Mets against Nice, uh, one for Jez on Saturday, um, as well as Rouse against Monaco. That's the big top of the table clash Saturday night. And then on Sunday, you've got Marseille hosting Love. That's the early one. Lyon against Lorient. That's the battle of two teams who can't get a win for love nor money at the moment. Uh, if Lyon can't win that, well, God help them. Uh, Montpellier against Clermont and Brest against Toulouse are the other two o'clock games. And then you've got Lowell's against Lille, which is always a fun affair between oh, two please. clubs that don't like each other much. Uh, Lille, sorry. Lowell's against Lille. Um, and Rennes against PSG, which is also another tasty morsel. And that is the... Sunday evening game so there you go and then we're back on the 20th so we've got plenty of time to digest that uh right as I say I know people have got things to do this evening so I will call it there but uh many thanks to you Phil and to you Jess for your time this evening much appreciated thank you and uh enjoy your trip tomorrow Jess wishing you the very best of luck and uh, do stay safe and don't forget those audio clips we're relying on you okay uh (laughs) (laughs) Right. Wherever you are going to go or indeed watch your French football this week or indeed this weekend, please do enjoy whichever game you take in and we will speak to you very soon.